1: Are we starting over? or Are we going to keep no. going this way? Okay. No,
0: I, dude. I'm just i I took a deep breath and like was trying to think of something to say, and I just i I don't have anything to say, dude. Like I'm, um,
1: dude. I was thinking earlier this morning about the last podcast we did when we were so full of hope and promise expectations
0: and now we're much back in our comfort zone
1: (laughs) right maybe we were full of illusions and delusions dude i don't know but Mm. we were uh excited we thought the sharks might have been the team to beat we thought the sharks had a path to the stanley cup they did they did and now they don't because they were defeated by the blues in six games it was uh a tough series to watch. I'm sure it was an even tougher series to play and to be a part of and, and the sharks end the season, like they have every other season in their history without the biggest prize.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot. First of all, not taking away anything away from the St. Louis blues. They deserve to win this series. And, um, obviously congratulations to them and their fans, you know, certainly, things that we're saying during this uh, podcast aren't excuses, right? But there are uh, factors that have to be acknowledged in why the Sharks weren't as competitive or putting their best skates forward, right? Right. I mean, they literally played that game last night without three of their top five players, right? I mean, they had no Eric Carlson. No, Joe Pavelski and no Tomasz Hurdle. And really, I mean, even if they had won, I mean, who knows when or if any of them would have been back at all, and, right? and what
1: condition they would have been in. And we, and you know, certainly Pavelski came back after that. Sure, you know, scary incident against Vegas, and we don't even know how healthy he and was. was.
0: He was effective in that Game Seven and didn't do anything after that. After that, so and we're not. Slagging Joe Pavelski here. You know, I mean, who Not knows what he's been dealing with. It sounded like based on um, what Dan Rusanowski, I think, was alluding to on Cambr, multiple injuries, you know, yeah. head, knee, and upper body. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll learn about all these injuries. I'm sure there are St. Louis guys battling through injuries as well. But, you know, the breaks that the Sharks caught, in the first two rounds and even through game three of this series where when that Timo Meyer hand pass led to the Eric Carlson goal, I was more convinced than ever that this was it. (laughs) Like, you know, that, you know, uh, the Sharks have been getting all the breaks that they have never, ever gotten before and capitalizing on every one. Right. Right? Yeah. And that this was going to be it. And everything, the sun was shining upon them, and then it all fell apart. You know, due to injuries and due to outstanding play and uh, coaching and strategy from the St. Louis Blues. And I think the hardest thing for me to stomach, dude, and I'm not mad, I'm not sad either. I don't, no, let me rephrase that. I'm not mad, and I'm not disappointed. I'm sad. I think that is tr- the right. actual way to say it. I'm I'm sad. I'm bummed because it's hard to say that you're disappointed in them. Sure, because they played one of the most memorable hockey games, maybe in NHL history, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and they, you know, made it within two wins of the Stanley Cup Finals again, and had to battle through some you know, extraordinary circumstances and injuries, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can't be disappointed in them and their effort.
1: No, certainly not. And they, like you said, they got some breaks. It would have been nice to get a few more. Certainly in the injury department, it didn't happen. And sometimes fate can be fickle, right? That's sure. that's what happens. The Sharks were, got the benefit of some of these bounces and some of these extenuating circumstances. And then all of a sudden they didn't and that's not really anybody's fault uh it's not the fault of the refs it's not the fault of the blues it's not the fault of the sharks themselves it's just what can you say these things happen and what did we say going into this playoffs that the sharks you know it was wide open given who made and missed the playoffs especially after the first round this thing was wide open but what was the thing we were worried about going into the avalanche series we were worried about the sharks health and like you said three of the best five sharks players were not playing in game six Even if they were able to play Game 7, if Sharks managed to pull it out, which they were not close to pulling out Game 6, how effective would they have been and how effective would they have been against Boston who would have been as rested as a team can possibly be for the Stanley Cup Finals? Given how Boston easily dispatched Carolina, I certainly wouldn't have been optimistic against either opponent that they would have faced. I'm not optimistic now, I think Boston is clearly favored, but I'll be rooting for the Blues. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, it doesn't really matter which team wins because either way, I've won the Vegas bet. You had to bring that up again. And um, it is a incredibly, probably the most bittersweet Vegas victory, although the Jack and Cokes will taste the same. <laughs> but um, I am bummed because I would yeah. have way rather had it been a no bet you know obviously yeah, you know if yeah. the sharks make the cup the bet is off but we'll get into that later dude I mean you know certainly uh there's I think the sadness comes around how they went out you know losing these last two games 10 to one which just isn't a reflective score of how close or evenly matched these teams are. I mean, I think that it, they're way closer than that. they The Sharks didn't deserve to go out mm-hmm. in kind of an embarrassing fashion. And, um, you know, with so many questions around the offseason, which, you know, I don't think we'll get into all the ins and outs of today, but maybe we'll pick up some of the highlights. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty about where this team is headed. And well, I mean, I don't I, again, not where they're headed, because I think that they've Got a great blueprint here to be a dominant team next year, but can they complete the plan? You know, right. with a lot of question marks. I think we have an idea of what Doug Wilson would like to do, um, but there's a lot of uncertainty about whether he's going to be able to pull that off. And um, that makes me sad too, because if it doesn't go, according to plan then winter is coming then winter is coming <laughs> dude what was what made you sadder the game of thrones finale or yeah. game 6 <laughs>
1: all right i spo- spoiler reference coming I- <laughs> <laughs> I was more disappointed Dude. about the sharks. Okay, of I mean, and,
0: and by the way, if you haven't watched the finale by now, yeah, you deserve a spoiler.
1: Yeah, it's true because you've it was in the headline the next day. Whatever. All
0: hail Eric Carlson, the broken. <laughs> that's right. All hail King of the IR.
1: <laughs> King of the Andals and the yeah, Roynar and right. the IR. Yes, uh. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's you shall be banished to Castle Hurdle. Anyways, dude, I mean Yeah, I'm sad I'm sad I really thought this was it I thought this was it And seeing the injuries and how it all went down I mean, clearly, it's just not in the cards And, you know, Jeff Merrick referred to the Sharks As the Washington Capitals of the West And, you know, one of the most I mean, I think the Sharks are the most dominant team in the NHL Over a a span of, of several years You know, they're incredible record of being in the playoffs so many times um, but just not able to take the final step and you know Washington was finally able to do it and just hope that the Sharks someday before we croak dude yeah will be able to take that final step but I really thought I thought this was it
1: so dude explain to me because it became it was really obvious to me after the after game two that the Sharks were the more talented team than the Blues. And honestly, I still believe that, even after watching the rest of the series, but clearly that was not enough. Outside of the injuries, that I'm sure a lot of people will focus on, and they should, because it it, it certainly changed how the series could have ended. What, what were the things that the Blues did or the Sharks didn't do that created this outcome? Because it clearly wasn't a talent issue. I mean, Tarasenko had a good series, And he's a very talented player and more talented than maybe, you know, almost any Sharks forward. Although Logan Couture has made another great case this year for being a a great playoff performer. But what did the blues do that, that gave him this result?
0: Um, a couple of things, dude, I'd say, first of all, and I, I'm not sure how much you'll buy into this statement, but I think the Timo Meyer hand pass was the worst thing that could have happened it galvanized that blues team. It could have crumbled them, but instead uh, I think it really irritated them and made them angry. And they came back with a sort of, you know, uh five minute major sharks fire that they showed, right. You know, they were not going to let that be how their story ended. And I think that moment turned the series and obviously it did the blues went three and zero from that moment on. Right. So I think, Unfortunately, the way that game ended was probably the worst thing that could have happened outside of the injuries. Um, Bennington was amazing. I mean, you know, there's a clear difference between Bennington and Martin Jones. I mean, like, there was a a clear difference. I mean, uh, Martin Jones, I thought last night, especially on the second goal, like, you got to stop that. Right. Like, you got to stop that. Like, we needed him to play.
1: That was the Tarasenko corner goal, right? Yeah, we needed
0: him to play at an elite level last night, and he did not. I mean, he gave up, what, four goals on 18 shots or something like that. He almost went back to, not as bad, but back to games, you know, one through four of the Vegas series. And, you know, we really needed him to be better than that last night. I'm not hanging this on him, and he we won several games in the playoffs because of him. Yes. But, you know, Bennington was better. He was better than Martin Jones. In this series, it made many more big, key, spectacular saves.
1: That's true. And and the other thing that I would set forth as the reason, maybe, is because the Blues recognized... It, sound, it looked like to me that they recognized that they were not going to be able to trade body blows with the Sharks in terms of scoring... They had Vladimir Teresenko and and Schwartz is a good player and and these guys are they're good players, but you can't stack them up against talent and scoring ability with Burns and Carlson and Couture and Hurdle and Meyer and Pavelski. So they said, We're gonna make we're gonna be as hard to play against as we possibly can be. We know Carlson's gimpy, we're gonna hit him every time he touches the puck. We know Pavelski just came back, we're gonna hit him every time he touches the puck. We're just going to make this a really unpleasant series to be in. Sure, And they were extremely successful at that. Yep. To me, it was being hard on the other team, heavy hitting, and goaltending. Those are the two things that won the Blues the series, in my view.
0: And they tried that in game one, and it didn't work. But they stuck with it. And over time, it proved it to be incredibly successful to the point where they knocked three sharks players out of the series essentially because of the style that they were playing they knew how they would have to beat the sharks and they executed it and we saw how the sharks were going to be able to beat the blues we saw it on display in person in game one right that was where like you said the sharks are a more skilled team than st louis and they really i mean they they kind of toyed with st louis in game one at times just with their skill on display, with some out outstanding moves, but you never saw that again. Like after that game, right. that that evaporated, and that's why I would say that the that the Blues blue line was better than the Sharks blue line in this series. And on paper, I wouldn't say that that's the case, but in execution, they were better. Uh, they they took last night. Uh, and on in game five, they took the Sharks' best player, Logan Couture, and they took Brent Burns completely out of the game. Yeah. And they were not going to let them beat them, and they didn't. Right, right. <laughs> and that's a big reason why they are where they are because, you know, the Sharks got one goal in the last two games, and it was from a guy who was playing in the AHL for most of the year. Right. Right? So... They weren't gonna let the Sharks' stars or talented players be the ones to beat them, and they were very successful in that. It was a good game plan by Craig Berube, who I mean, I haven't checked, but it's kind of embarrassing that he doesn't have a contract for next year, right? Yeah. I mean, don't you have? I mean, right? Doesn't I, he get a contract now, dude? Of course, of course. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna handle
1: that after the season. I, I'm sure they don't want that being the headline and the storyline when I the guess, Blues yeah. are going to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1970, which I didn't know. Yeah, uh, I knew that the Blues had never won a cup. I could have sworn they had been to the cup final in one of those, they, were, they went to sure. the cup for, I remember them going to the uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs for 25 years straight. Right? Yeah, they, and they just, almost
0: went three years ago, but we were the ones who beat them. That's so right. they got a little sweet revenge in that way, although the team is so completely different. Yeah, um, and, and you know, but they had a lot of, of great years
1: with Brett Hull and Chris oh, yeah. Pronger oh, yeah. and Scott Stevens started his career yeah. in St. Louis. I could have sworn they went to the Stanley Cup final, but no, they were always uh, not even the bridesmaid; they were the right. the flower girl, as it were. Right. right. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm rooting for the Blues. I know that you know, reading some of the uh, you know Reddit posts or other things that are online, people are very upset with. The injuries in, and in, you know, to Pavelski and, and Hurdle in particular, and I think ye, everyone has a right to be angry at those non calls. I think they should have been called. I think both of them. I think the the hit against Hurdle was pretty close to the hit that Thornton got suspended for in sure. the first round. I mean, yeah. that was pretty much the same hit, as nearly as I could tell. And um, but at the time, I don't remember the Sharks uh, fans really calling jumbo a dirty player and so that's not really what i think the the blues were doing they were executing the game plan we just talked about
0: yeah i mean we you know in the vegas series the sharks were the benefit of a five-minute major which in retrospect probably should not have been right that's correct and these could have easily been called double minors a single minor or even a major as well sure you know um do we think, and again, this is not an excuse, and I think regardless, the Sharks would not have won this series for several reasons that we've already rehashed. But going back to that moment in Game 3 where the Meyer hand pass, for the third time now, the refs have been embarrassed. Yes. by Not by the San Jose Sharks, but by a situation involving the San Jose Sharks. And do you think consciously or subconsciously, they were not going to give the Sharks another call that was going to potentially tip the result of a game.
1: I do believe that. I think that has to factor into this equation. I don't think the refs were in the tank for the Blues anymore that they were in the tank for the Sharks, you know, during the Vegas series or the Avalanche series. But I think there has been some research. And if you watch the NHL for long enough, even in this playoffs, there was that moment where Couture gets hauled down from behind on a breakaway, no call happens. And then miraculously, the Sharks get a power play 30 seconds later. I think that encapsulates about how refereeing works a lot of the time in the NHL and the perception, either correctly or incorrectly. And certainly if you look at the press, the Sharks were getting the benefit of every big call. In the Up. playoffs so far. Yeah,
0: I mean, and, and I think... So and I had to and li- the
1: refs wanted to equalize. The refs were either thinking about it or not thinking about it and thinking, the Sharks got every break. I have to make parity in terms of how these calls balance out. And I think that's part of
0: it. The Sharks' radio broadcast team during the game last night was, was pretty upset. You know, I think, especially in the middle stretch of the game and they really were upset about, you know, the Sharks not getting any calls they were upset about um joe thornton getting repeatedly thrown out of the face-off dot um they were upset about you know what they were referring to and i wasn't able to watch you know obviously i'm listening on the radio i was in the car the repeated what they said repeated interference on face-offs from st louis um that you know was in their mind just blatant and unforgivable um, but they were also taking the Sharks to task for not doing the same back to them. Right. Like they were just letting it happen and not interfering back. If they're not going to call it one way, they're not going to call it both, right? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, it did seem that the uh, tide turned a little bit on, you know, the puck bouncing the Sharks' way in terms of. Um, Non-skill opportunities that are presented to themselves that could tip the outcome of a game. Um, again, like that game three hand pass. Well, the Sharks won a game because of it. I do wish that it hadn't happened because I think that um it did influence some of the series on um, based on how the Sharks played. I think, and based on how the referees uh, felt about the series. Now, it wouldn't have prevented. The injuries, which probably would have still led to the same result, but I do think those other two um, elements were factors, and you know, without them, you know, maybe the Sharks would have won Game Four, right? And we would have been in a different situation. Just giving the Blues that rallying cry, I think it it tipped the series their way without question, right? Because I'm I'm sure. Can you imagine
1: if the NHL or if there was a five-minute major call on that Barbashev hit the Sharks score a power play or not, or two power play goals and win that game? Every NHL-related headline yeah. on every newspaper and magazine in the country would be: Sharks benefit from another call, win another game. Right. Right. I mean, the refs had to be maybe not. Consciously thinking, but everybody had to be thinking, I can't give the Sharks another opportunity to win a game based on a referee's call. There's no
0: question, dude. I mean, like, and I think the one that I, I really think it was the Meyer hand pass that that was the cherry on the Sunday. Like, yeah. I mean, that yeah. you know, the the Colorado call against Landis Cog was that's a real thing, right? It really happened. That's a real rule. People don't like it, then change it. It was a real thing. Right. That was a real actual... And, and the people took a lot of heat for that, but they didn't mess that up, right? That's the correct
1: call. Is it ridiculous? It's ridiculous. Is it ridiculous that they couldn't review the hand pass? Also ridiculous. But both were correct according to the current rules. What do you want to do? Sure,
0: but I think the refs took a lot of shame Yes, for missing that. And... um. If you want the
1: the thing is that I would I would
0: caution, and
1: I know there's a very pro review sen- oh, sentiment right now. Yeah, the thing I would caution is: do we really want to end up with the NHL like the NFL, where you have these long, interminable yeah. replays? You have referees in a hood; they're diving into it. The cave of silence in sure. order to review these calls everything is reviewable you can review a hand pass that went to another pass that went to another pass that went off the wall i don't know if we necessarily want to go down this road where basically every major situation in the game grinds everything to a stop it goes to toronto they're looking at video forever The thing is, it's just going to move that window of controversy to someplace else.
0: Sure. But I mean, if you're offering that type of review for select plays, and if you're wrong, then you get a two-minute minor. Like, why not make that apply to everything? Like anything, not put restrictions on what that can be. You get to do it once, one time, and if you're wrong... Then, then you get, then you take a penalty.
1: But then the next time, there's a really controversial call that should have been called a certain, What if they already used their challenge well, earlier then, in the game? And then the Meyer thing, well, then the game was decided on a referee's that's call. That's right. It moves the window of controversy.
0: But at least then you had... Then you've got to pick and choose your spots, right? And maybe, you know... I mean, and maybe the rule should be... <laughs> we're coming up with solutions to take a game away from the Sharks. <laughs> like, maybe the rule should be that in overtime all goals are reviewable. And over time, all goals are reviewable no matter what the circumstance. Right. You know, but then the question is, well, how far back do you go? Yeah, that's I mean, question. like, okay, maybe it's just the zone entry. Like, and it, it's tough, dude. I mean, I it's, could... This I, is
1: exactly what I'm talking I'm about. I'm not
0: advocating for it. I'm fine with it. the human element being what decides it. But the problem is, is that the millions of people that are seeing the truth... It does then just put that cloud over the referees for not getting it right. I mean, everybody's gonna see you know, every strike call right. you know, yeah in, in major league baseball, right? You know, the, if you get it wrong, you can see instantly that it's wrong. Right. So I like the human element. I mean, we grew up with that, but I could see how people who didn't who had this era of technology and that's really all they know I that just they think- feel like it should be more involved.
1: I, I understand that. And I agree with the sentiment of wanting to get it right. Cause that's, I think what everybody wants, but I think you can not take the human element out of it. There's always going to be this, this gray area where, Oh, well this was reviewable and this wasn't. And we ran up against it in this series sure. in terms of the hand pass wasn't reviewable, but the offsides was. And the thing is, you're never going to be able to actually take that out. If people honestly think that you can somehow take it so that the right call is always made, there's never controversy, then you're deluding yourself, frankly. It's just a question of what are people going to be mad about? Yeah. And you try to make that the most reasonable set of circumstances as possible. I think there's a good argument that the current set of circumstances is not reasonable and you should change it. I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but I am opposed to saying we should review everything and I with some crazy idea that this is somehow going to make everything work better because I don't think it will. That's that's my issue with it. I'll
0: tell you what everybody wants.
1: What? What?
0: Carlson the broken Carlson the broken all oh, hail Carlson, Carlson, Carlson the, the broken. broken so does he come back or what dude I mean this we will probably be debating this for the next several weeks well without getting into them in depth let's kind of hit on what we think the key storylines are this offseason headline by Eric Carlson's free agency and will he come back or won't he you know um and the question that I think was brought up at the end of the, the, the NBC broadcast was, you know, is he going to feel like he owes the Sharks because they really only got six weeks right. of Eric Carlson at 100%? Because the first two months, he looked like he was playing in a fog. right? And then the Sharks were the best team in the NHL for almost two months looked like no one was going to be able to stop them. Right. Then Mr. Groin went tweak. Yeah. And then it just never was even the same. Does he feel like he owes the Sharks because they invested so much in getting him here? And if you look around the NHL, I mean, is there a better opportunity? let completely spit on the microphone. <laughs> opportunity to win? More than there is in San Jose.
1: Well, we were we were talking about this at lunch, right? The 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 team that we're the most afraid of in the Eric Carlson sweepstakes, at least in the Western Conference, is clearly Las Vegas. That's the team that, when your number one defenseman is Nate Schmidt, you think to yourself, "Hmm, I wonder if oh. I would like a two a two
0: time Norris Trophy." Sure. Here. And is this the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry situation where does Eric Carlson want to play on a team with Brent Burns? It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Does he want to be the man? Because on this team, he is the two-headed man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's hard to know. We won't know, know that. I mean, we can call him and ask him. Certainly
1: from what people are saying and what I what I think is the case, he's for one eric carlson is one of the more difficult people to read when it comes to the i mean he just doesn't answer questions he's very stone-faced about stuff he doesn't seem to show a lot of emotion one way or another about any of these questions he doesn't really seem to show a lot of emotion one way or another about anything which is you know maybe a, a practiced media personality which a lot of players frankly have done but i certainly can't if, if I had to place a bet, I would say he goes to free agency. I mean, July 1st, he will not be signed. It might be that the Sharks win that sweepstakes, but I think he's going to want to see the ink on the paper that says, with all the zeros in, in hard ink, that say, we're going to pay you this much money. And I think he's going to want to see that. Mm, and the well, Sharks may win, and he may not I take think the most money. To that would be the
0: incredibly unfortunate, because I think if it gets to that, the Sharks lose. Like, I think that they, they'll they lose that if 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 he's going to go to that point. I mean, the other free agent here that we have to worry about is Joe Pavelski. I mean, the captain of this team, um, clearly the uh, emotional rock of this team, yeah. how they responded to his injury and willed their way to victory against Vegas when the opportunity presented themselves. He is 35. He had a great season this year. He still does what he does well at an elite level. And if he went to market, there would be a market for his services. No doubt. Someone will give him $7 million a year. There's no question. Will it be the Sharks? Do the Sharks... Are they really going to walk away from Joe Pavelski? I have a hard time believing that. I, I seriously doubt it. it. It would be... Frankly, it would be shocking. It would be shocking. It would be. And very difficult to explain.
1: It would be much bigger than when the Sharks decided not to match the kind of contract that Patrick Marlowe, another long-term Shark, did not get. Disappointing to many fans, but not nearly as surprising. How is it or different? Sh- because Joe Pavelski is the face of this team. Patrick Marlowe was an important piece of the team, but... That was a team still with Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton but when and Brent Burns. Patrick
0: Marlowe was here. I think it was Marlowe and Thornton who were the faces of this team, not Pavelski. Even if he was the captain, I still think people would have ranked Marlowe and Thornton as their favorite sharks above Joe Pavelski. I mean, I. I mean, it does give me pause in that this is a very similar situation. I think Pavelski's numbers are better, right? Than Marlow at this contract juncture, he's playing better than Marlow was. He'll be better than Marlow is next year, no matter where he goes. More effective, his his game translates way better to ages thirty six through thirty eight, yeah, than uh, Marlowe's. But you know it. You know, the plan with letting Marlowe go was that they were going to try and get John Tavares, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, is there some plan we're not aware of that you're going to let Pavelski go and replace him with a 20-something-year-old option that we're not even thinking of? I don't know. Here's the question. Mm
1: -hmm. Does Gus Nyquist have a brother? (laughs) That's the Pavelski replacement.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, Gus Nyquist, a okay. player we have not mentioned. Gus Nyquist, well, uh fairly forgettable, yeah. I would say. Um and you know, I had somebody go off on on him either this morning or last night just about what a what a bust he was, you know, from bringing him over and I don't think he ever was going to be you know, a goal-scoring dynamo, right? But they really did need him in these last two games, and he was kind of nowhere to be found. Right. Um, not a physical player, not skilled enough to make a difference, um, and will get more money than the Sharks would ever be able to offer him. You know, I think that whatever spot he was holding down, Dylan Gambrell should get the first dibs at trying to play that spot. He might have been the Sharks' best player last night. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, gave you some, some bright spot in what was a pretty dark evening, you know, how well he played and also, um, that he scored that goal, a huge goal, his first NHL goal and a big time when it became two one. And then you actually started to think maybe, right. They weren't done until that next penalty, but maybe, (laughs) They weren't done. Um, so I think Nyquist is gone and now we'll save you know the Sharks icon for last. Joe Thornton, dude. Joe Thornton is gonna be forty. Is he coming back for year forty, dude?
1: I don't know why, but I am so sure that he's coming back. Hmm. I don't know if that if I'm just missing all the signs that says he wants to retire. He just seems like a guy who likes to play hockey. He wants to show up and be in the locker room and not wear a shirt. And and (laughs) he'll take 2 or $3 million and play on the third line. And, you know, he'll be fine. And who knows? Maybe he'll even be a little bit better because he'll be another year removed from those knee
0: injuries. Sure. Um, Patrick Sharp last night after the game was dying. He was like... I can't believe that Joe Thornton still does not wear a shirt (laughs) during his... He said that's so old school. There's no one else who does that in the NHL. He said uh, they wouldn't even let... He said on the Blackhawks, they wouldn't even let you do that. If you wanted to, they wouldn't let you do it. (laughs) So And that he still does it. It was just funny that at the darkest moment, (laughs) he still was shirtless. Like, I mean... (laughs) And he wasn't trolling anybody with that. Yeah, yeah. It just really is like that's
1: That's what he does. That's
0: what he does. He's still shirtless at th- the locker room.
1: I think we're going to see another year of that, honestly. I honestly do.
0: I'm not as convinced as you, dude. Like I'm I'm not as convinced. Um Not I think it's his decision. I think the Sharks if he wanted to come back, they would take him back with open arms at the right cap hit, which I think is key here. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think he would play for a million dollars. I mean, he doesn't need the money, right? You'd think, unless he's made some really bad business investments, <laughs> he doesn't need the money. Like he, he's not going to play anywhere else. Bitcoin. He's going <laughs> to play with the sharks or not play. So yeah,
1: I agree with you. I, I don't think he's done. I think he still wants to play, but I'm not sure. I, and, and keep in mind, uh, this is a argument that is. Uh, not connected with whether I think the Sharks would benefit from having him in the lineup, which I'm actually, frankly, not willing to get into at this point. I don't know if I even made up my mind about it yet.
0: Well, can I ask you this? Do you think it's possible that he pulls a Forsberg and doesn't play for like the first 50 games and then all of a sudden he's back? Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, I don't think that that's impossible either. No, not at all. You know, they decide that... It's sort of an unspoken agreement. He's coming back. For right now, he's not retired. He's just not playing. And then all of a sudden he's just back. Right. You know? Um, and he joins them for the end if the season's going well. Right. Right? And he will have whatever role he has at that point. I don't know how likely that is, but I think it's possible. You know, if they wanted to just make sure that he wasn't going to blow a tire at game eleven, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> have it should that be the end. Yes, so I think that's the fear, is that he comes back and gets hurt again, and that's how he goes out. Right, or he comes back and then he's
1: like my bunions. I have to retire <laughs> <My> bunions, dude.
0: <laughs> bunions, the broken. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, dude, all these questions—I'm sure we're going to be answering. Ah, in we've the got a lot come. of questions.
0: We didn't even talk about the unrestricted free. Uh, sorry, the restricted free agents, and um, you know, and I, th- I think one thing that it, you know, definitely needs. I mean, so there's some guys who are going to have to go in order to fit all these salaries. Some players are going to have to be. <coughs> excuse me, Kazunaitu. Um, they're going to have to go, you know, restricted guys, um, role players. Will the Sharks try and remake this fourth line? The Sharks really they can't actually come back with Aaron Dell as the backup goalie next year. I mean, I just I don't see how they can do that. I don't yeah. I, I don't I don't think they can do that. That was a huge huge problem. Yeah. I mean, that you know, Martin Jones was at his best the year that James Reimer pushed him that last half of the year and made Jones play at his best. I think Dell this year was not good enough, you know, and they clearly had no trust in him. If the Jones had done this three years ago with Reimer on the team in the first round, Jones wouldn't have played again. They that's would right. have played James Reimer. That's right. Cause I think DeBoer trusted him clearly doesn't trust Dell. Right. So wasn't willing to make that move stuck with his guy. So that's that, you know, those are little storylines that are important parts of the puzzle, but not as major as obviously uh, some of these big decisions, dude,
1: dude. Now that the sharks are out, Are you even going to watch the final?
0: I will if I, you know, honestly, I was trying to think of things that were like positives about the Sharks not being in the Stanley Cup final because, I mean, I'm in a show right now. I'm rehearsals for a show. I'm in a show again, dude. Dude,
1: we should do something that we've been doing this podcast for 10 years. Yeah. That we've never done before. What is that? We're going to plug your show. Oh, wow. Dude, Doug is going to be in One Man, Two Governors at Palo Alto Players.
0: That's true. Opens in June
1: opens June, June 14th, to 30th. I am going opening night. Oh, dude. I'm going to go opening night. I invite you all to get tickets. You can go to Palo Alto Players on search for that or whatever. Yes. And, and one you, man,
0: two governors. I played the one man.
1: He plays the one man. And I'm I'm told, although I haven't seen the show before, that there are also two governors. <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers well, away. Well, dude, thank
0: you. It's, it is a blast. The cast is awesome. It's a funny show. If you like British farce, and this was a very popular play in London and on Broadway with James Corden and I'm stoked to have the opportunity to be in it and come check it out yeah there's a script sort of
1: I'm also, sometimes <laughs> I'm also busy coming up dude that I'm glad I'm not going to be missing uh a Stanley Cup finals game so yeah, that's dude yeah. you gotta
0: plug yours okay
1: okay so we're gonna plug both of our yes. stuff okay yeah. well I am in uh I I also do the performing thing like Doug although I'm not nearly as good but I do the music thing that's not true dude I I do a music thing, and I'm actually in a Rush tribute band. I play bass and do the keyboard thing. I do the whole Getty Lee thing. I know there's a lot of progressive rock fans that listen to this show. I'm sure there are. where's the gig? It's at the Art Boutique in San Jose. It's on June 1st. It's only uh, a couple of... Less than two weeks away now, so we're... uh, I'll be there, dude. Doug will be there practicing madly. There's going to be a night (laughs) of Rush songs. It's fun. They're great. Classic rock fans. You're going to love it. We we really go all out the other two musicians I play with are unbelievably great and uh, of course it's, it's great and it's great music for those of you that know it and if you just like classic rock music come out and check it out and they have beer they have beer and to be perfectly honest as a person that sees a lot of live music and plays a lot of live music the sound
0: there is spectacular yeah I know it's a cool venue for live music if you haven't been check out the Art Batiki in San Jose dude we're really letting the listeners in here yeah, today I know I guess uh, we are it's a, it's a nice way to wrap up the year by bearing our artistic souls right so, I mean, we did have some pretty major conflicts coming up here. So it's so like, well, you know what? I'm not going to miss any games.
1: I'm not going to miss any Stanley Cup finals I, I'll
0: be saving money on Stanley Cup tickets. I Thought
1: remember telling Doug, I'm like, yeah, dude, you got to come to the gig. It's on the 1st of June. And Doug's like, I will be there as long as there's not a Stanley
0: Cup finals <laughs> game. <laughs> well, I mean, the game would have been at 5. So if the Sharks had been at home, which they wouldn't have, but if they had been at home, I would have just, I would have walked over at <laughs> the game, dude. <laughs> it's close
1: to downtown. It's not that far away from the yeah, tank, actually. Uh,
0: you would have wanted me to go to the game.
1: I, I would have. And I would have had it on my phone. Uh, No, I I would not have done that. But, um, uh,
0: dude, it was a good season.
1: Bittersweet, yeah.
0: Bittersweet, sad the way it ended. But I don't think you could say that you're disappointed or that you can even be mad because uh, the Sharks played well and had some incredible moments. And we will pick it apart ad nauseum over the next several months. As we wait for it all to start all over again, dude.
1: Dude, go Sharks. Go
0: Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the Stanley Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.